Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone, and welcome to 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. The two Golden Age radio shows, Escape and Suspense, were radio's leading anthology series of high adventure and drama, with Escape airing on CBS Radio from July 7, 1947 to September 25, 1954, and Suspense continued to 1962. These two shows presented great American-made radio drama, which became the foundation for TV. Radio, as you know, is purely acoustic, with no visual component, and it relied on great scriptwriters and actors to enable the listeners to imagine the characters and the story. It was high drama, great acting, and terrific stories. As one of the shows say, all designed for you from the four walls of today. Here we offer the very best of escape and suspense. We hope you enjoy this week's presentation. And if you do, send us a kind review for 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. And now, our two stories. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. John Hodiak in tonight's presentation of... Suspense. Tonight... Autolite presents a story based on fact. As we recreate the excitement and violence of a fire in an oil field, the story is called Hellfire. Our star, Mr. John Hodiak. Hey, uh, Hap, what's the busiest thing you know? I telephone, Harlow. My wife's always on it. <laughs> well, your car's electrical system is much busier than that, Hap. Why, it goes to work the instant you press the starter and continues every second your engine runs. It works every time you blow the horn, turn on the lights, radio, heater, and electric windshield wipers, to mention just a few. Does everything but talk, eh, Harlow? Right, Hap. And if that electrical system could talk, it would tell you that a checkup of your car's electrical system at periodic intervals is just good business. You mean it pays in smooth economical performance? It eh? sure does, Hap. So, friends, treat the important electrical system of your car to a periodic checkup soon. And be ready for those cold driving days ahead. See your car dealer or your nearest authorized Autolite service station. You can quickly locate your nearest authorized Autolite service station in the classified section of the phone book under Automobile Electrical Service. Or call Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. And remember, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents transcribed Hellfire, starring Mr. John Hodiak, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Oil hunters are like farmers and fishermen. They all try to harvest a crop. The main difference between them is that the oil hunter has to find his crop before he can harvest it. Finding a nickel glass of beer in a free lunch counter is a lot easier than finding oil in untested territory. I know. 
I've been looking for it for a long time. Hear that? That's Betsy, my drilling rig. She's scrounging around on the ground again, looking for a crop we can harvest. I say again because this is the eighth time we've tried this session, and so far, no dice. And there are seven dry holes in this immediate area to mark my failures. I feel pretty bad about it. But not nearly as bad as the rest of the stockholders. No, sir, not nearly as bad. The stockholders are getting impatient, Drake. The way you talked about this field, they felt you would have something for them long before now. Tell them I'm sorry. That isn't enough. According to the brochure you made up for them, this was supposed to be a sure thing. There's no such thing as a sure thing when you're looking for oil. The brochure said conditions out here were most favorable for oil. You saw the results of the test yourself. If ever a series of tests showed possibility for oil, those did. I brought along a man on the trip down here that I'd like you to meet. Who is he? His name is Hotchkiss, petroleum engineer. Oh. And an expert on costs. Oh. Oh, Mr. Hotchkiss, over here. Mr. Hotchkiss, Mr. Drake. How are you? How are you? Well, find anything? It seems to me this is a very efficient operation, Mr. Drake. Well, I could... However, there are several aspects to be considered which might stamp you as a supreme optimist. You mean the storage tanks? Yes. Well, I'd like to talk to you about that. Yes, I think you'd better. Well, <clears throat> why don't we go back to the office? Mr. McLean? Yes, let's go back. I'm rather anxious to hear what Mr. Drake has to say. Wally! You, Wally! Uh, Sorry to bust in like this, Wally. What's the matter? Busted the roller bit off. It's stuck in the casing. I'll be with you in a minute. Uh, Sorry, gentlemen. We'll have to postpone this meeting until tomorrow morning. I don't know how long this will take. Your most convenient break, wasn't it? One more snide remark out of you and I'll shove you down the casing right after the bit. Now, Drake, I'm sure Mr. McLean meant no harm. What time do you want us in your office? Be here around 8 a.m. I think everything will be straightened out by then. Eight it is. So long. See you later. Come on, Smiley. Let's get to work. More coffee, Wally? No, thanks, honey. Got to get to the field. McLean and his watchdog will be there at 8. How does it look? I mean, do you still think there's oil? I don't think there's oil. I know it. I won't get another chance to find it if I miss this time. But you're the best wildcatter in the business. You won't have any trouble getting enough money to try again. People don't like guys who go around spending their money on hunches. And that's what I did this time. McLean's got questions I can't answer. What are you going to do? What can I do? Tell him the truth. Maybe he'll see it my way and maybe he won't. <laughs> You've got any money to bet, bet that he won't. It's a sure thing. Right, you got to go now. Okay, if I drive out to the field this afternoon? Yeah, sure. I'll be at the shack. If McLean hasn't booted me out by then. Don't talk like that, Wally. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, you're a good wife, honey. Might have to be to stay married to you. Now, you get on out to the field and tell that McLean a thing or two. That I will, Dottie. That I will. Well, are you satisfied? Yes, Drake. All except the particular expenditures Mr. Hotchkiss pointed out. Come over here, Mr. Hotchkiss. I want to show you something. Very well. Know what this is? Yes, it's a contour map of an anticline. Right. And we're sitting on top of it. Then why are you so concerned with the inquiry Mr. McLean and I are making? Because I have no proof of it. 
Proof means oil. And until I strike oil, you'll just have to go along with me, that's all. We don't have to do anything, Mr. Drake. You are the one who has to do something, it seems to me. Now, you listen to me. As long as I'm running this operation, I don't have to do any explaining or answering to anybody. Anytime you think you can get somebody to do the job better, you just buy me out. I happen to own a pretty good chunk of stock, too. I know that. But the block of stockholders I represent have the votes necessary. Hey, Wally! We're in. We're in. We just hit the oil sand. Good. The mud's holding back the pressure now. Get the control headset to go and drag up the tubing. I'll be with you in a couple of minutes. Yes, sir, Wally. Any uh, other questions, gentlemen? Yes, I have one. Go ahead. Where do I go to buy stock in this outfit? The next few days were a whirl of activity. We snubbed the tubing into the casing without losing a single drop of oil. After a close check of casing head pressures, we figured we had a major find. Almost 10,000 barrels a day was a potential. After we got the tubing set, we got the Christmas tree fastened. This gadget controls the flow of oil through a system of valves that lead to storage tanks, meters, gas traps, all the places oil goes to when it leaves the well. McLean and Hotchkiss took the first train back to town. I don't think they said more than a dozen words to each other up until train time. Finally, it was finished, or just about. All that remained to do was start the oil flowing out of the tubing through the Christmas tree into the tanks. Hi. Hi. Thought you'd be out at the rig cheering when they turned the valve. I had a few reports to make out to the stockholders. What's the matter, Wally? Aren't you happy? Oh, I'm happy enough, Dottie. I'm just so tired I can't hardly stand up. Tired of being sweaty and dirty. As soon as I finish these, I'm going home and take a cold shower. Then I'm going to bed for about a week. Did anybody ever tell you you're a wonderful man? Smiley said so. What? Yeah, I bought him a drink this afternoon. He told me I was wonderful. <laughs> well, at least you haven't lost your sense of humor. Do you feel any different? Why, should I? Well, you're married to a wealthy man now. Huh? Well, I don't see hey, any. Wait a minute. What's the matter? Trouble! Holy fire! The well's on fire! Wally! Wally, don't go! Blue. Big Steve was turning the valves on. She went right up in his face. We couldn't get near him. Smiley, run to the shack. Put in a long-distance call to Larry Burnett in Tulsa. Tell him we want him to come down here and put out an oil fire. And tell him the name is Price. Right, Wally. And tell Dottie to contact McLean. Tell him what happened. She knows the number. And tell her to tell McLean to hustle on down here. Okay. Carl, Whitey, yeah. Big Pete, come here. You, Whitey, get a team together and start putting up a dirt barricade around the derrick. Right. Make it about 75 feet square and about 5 feet high. When the valve inserts in that Christmas tree go, there'll be a fire shooting all over the place. Okay. Carl, you go with him. Now, what about the shut-off valves at the tanks, Pete? All off. Fire started before Steve opened up. Check them anyway. Right, Wally. Delaney, take some men and get over to the storehouse where they got some tarps. Take the tarps. I'm Wally. Wally. Over here, Smiley. Wally, I called Burnett like you told me to. When's he coming? He ain't. What? He left for Arabia yesterday. They got a fire there. They don't know when he'll be back. Maybe a month. But if the fire eats into the underground pool like it did in Romania in 29, it may be six months. Okay, then. Come on. Well, where are we going? To the shack. I got a few telephone calls to make. Oh, what are you going to do? I'm going to put the fire out myself. But you can't do that, Wally. Why not? 
Well, what do you know about putting out oil fires? I've seen them do it. I know the oil business. What more do you want? Oh, what about equipment? That's what I'm going to make the phone calls for. I just spoke to McLean. He's flying down here. Good. What are you going to do? Burnett can't come. I'm going to do it myself. But you can't. That's what I told him. He can't do I it. I say I can, and I'm going to. This is Wally. Get me Fred Stone at the Foster Oil Company in Hobbs, New Mexico. And make it quick. Autolite is bringing you Mr. John Hodiak in Hellfire. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Uh, say, Hap, uh, name something more complex than a fine watch. Why, two fine watches, Harlow. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the electrical system of your Autolite-equipped car. Every unit is precision-built by Autolite to operate with every other unit as a perfect team to give you the smoothest performance money can buy. You mean units like the Autolite starting motor, generator, distributor, coil, spark plugs, voltage regulator, and battery. Hey, Harlow? Yes, sir, Hap. And just as one misfit part in your watch can gum up the works, so can one wrong part in the electrical system result in poor car performance. And what does all this mean to me, Harlow? It means, Hap, that you should always specify Autolite original service parts for your Autolite-equipped car. Insist on the best for your car, and be sure of the best in performance, because from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. John Hodiak in Elliot Lewis's production of Hellfire, a dramatic report well calculated to keep you in suspense. When I told Smiley and Dottie I was going to put out my oil fire, I meant it. Only trouble was I wasn't sure I could do it. Oh, I'd seen Burnett snuff him out, but that was his business, and he was the best in his business. Me, I was Wally Drake, sort of a high-class roughneck in the business of looking for oil. There's something about seeing the results of your sweat go up in thick, black, greasy smoke that makes you think an all-out effort can kind of compensate for a lack of experience. I put in a call for some of the things I knew I was going to need. Asbestos equipment. High-pressure pumps and hoses to spray me and keep me from being roasted alive while I was working in there. And some dynamite to use when everything else was set. After I finished my call, Smiley and I went out to look at the fire. I still say you're crazy, Wally. No, I'm not. I just don't want to see all my oil burn up while we wait for Burnett to get back from Arabia. But we might be able to do it another way. What other way? Well, we could set up another rig about 300 yards from here. Spud in. And with the right figuring, we could whip stock right into this casing and cut the flow of oil. And how long do you think that would take? Oh, it depends on what angle we want to intersect the casing. Can't do it, Smiley. The tolerances would be too critical. Well, then what about digging a tunnel? We could start about 100 yards. No, I'm not going to take a chance with anyone's life but mine. You'd let Burnett take a chance, wouldn't you? That's what he gets paid for. Now, Smiley, we'll do it just like I said, with me taking the chance. Well, okay, Wally, but let me help. All right. You're going to handle the water to spray me down. Yeah, okay. First, we... Gotta bust old Betsy up. Break up the derrick? Why? Well, take a look at it. Most of the lower part is white hot now. 
If I get the fire out without getting rid of that white-hot steel, the fire would start again as soon as the gas hit it. Well, how are you going to do it? Push it over? In a way, yeah. I'm going to set two dynamite charges against the base of it and blow it over. But how do you know which way it'll fall? I don't. I'm not an expert. But it might fall. Yes, it might. Well, once the rig is down, then hey, we... Hey, Wally, stuff you sent for us here. Delaney's getting the pump hooked up now and the dynamite's up to the shack. Oh, thanks, Pete. Come on, Smiley. Smiley? Yeah? I'm scared. So am I. If, uh... If things sort of don't go right, uh... See that McLean gives Dottie a square deal on the stock. Sure, pal. Smiley. What is it, pal? Oh, stop sure palling me. That's just in case anything happens. It hasn't happened yet, so get that sloppy look off your face. Sure, pal. I, I mean, yeah, I want. Did you see Pete? I saw Yeah, I saw him. And you're all set, huh? Yeah, I'm all set. Is the dynamite guy here? He's outside having a cup of coffee. They got a canteen set up in back of the shack. Yell for him. Yeah, okay. Hey, dynamite over here. Let's go to work. Yeah. Uh, here he comes. I heard him. My name is Collins, not Dynamite. Mind if I bring my coffee in with me? No, only don't slop it on the floor. Sorry. What do you want to know? Can you rig up a charge that'll knock out two legs of the rig? That's my business. Of course I can. Will I have to set two separate charges, or can you make one charge do it? Any way you want it. How long will it take to get the charges ready? I said, how long will it... I heard you, mister. Give me a chance to drink my coffee. It's getting cold. Hey, listen to you. Smiley. Who sent you here, Dynamite? Name is Collins. I said, who sent you here, Dynamite? Stone over at Foster Oil said you needed a man with dynamite savvy. He sent me. Well, I'm the guy who needs you because I'm the guy going into the fire. I got a lot of questions to ask. I'm in a hurry. If you want to talk with that coffee cup shoved down your throat, just tell me. Either way, I want answers and I want them quick and civil. Now make up your mind. How do you want to answer me, with or without the coffee cup? No offense, mister. Mr. Drake. Mr. Drake. What do you want to know? How long will it take? How do you want the dynamite? What's the best way? Jelly. We can put it in a can, wrap it in asbestos, and get out in plenty of time if the fire's not too close. How soon can we go? Well, by the time you get all the other stuff ready, I'll be ready. See you out there. Okay. Uh, Collins. Yeah? You forgot your coffee. Ah, oh, thanks. Where's the asbestos suit, Smiley? Oh, it's back of the shack. Let's go. Wally. Uh, go on, Smiley. I'll be out soon. Yeah, right. I'm... I'm sorry, Wally. I'm sorry. I'm not really heroic. I can't act the part of the brave wife sending her husband out. Oh, Wally, please don't go. I'm so afraid. I, 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 I got her, honey. That thing's burning up about ten, fifteen thousand dollars a day. I got her. I don't care if it burns up a million dollars a day. Don't go. Dottie. Dottie. What? Have you ever known me to take wild chances? Oh, sure. I play a hunch as far as it'll stretch, but have I ever gone overboard on a pipe dream? No. Then but... you must know that I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think I could finish it up right, don't you? Dottie, don't you? But, Wally, I'm so frightened. Well, be a little anxious, maybe, but don't be frightened. You stay right here. Don't come out there. 
I'll be back to see you as soon as we knock old Betsy over on her side, okay? Okay, Wally. Uh, see you, honey. This was going to be the easy part, if there was such a thing. The fire, instead of shooting straight up in the air, was coming out of all the valves of the Christmas tree like a Fourth of July spray. But there was a good side to it. The back two legs of the rig were comparatively free of any flame, but it was still plenty hot. Ready to go? Yeah. Keep me plenty wet. I don't want to broil. Don't worry, you won't. Got the drill pipe ready? Set the go, boys. Okay, let's have it. I'm ready. Smiley kept the water smacking into me while I got close enough with the drill pipe to plant the charge. Then I retreated, paying out the insulated cable as I went. Once I got to the periphery, I raised my hand to Collins. Here, Wally. Let me get that thing off your head. Wow. Now get the rest of this thing off. How'd it go? Great, huh, Collins? Real great. You did real good. Uh, what now? Now we gotta knock that Christmas tree off the tubing. You can't get close enough for that. Even with that monkey suit, you'd be ashes before you got one turn completed. Yeah. Get Pete and Whitey for me. Pete! Oh, Pete, Whitey, come here. Now, what are you gonna do? I think I know how I can knock that gadget off. What's up, Smiley? I got a job for you guys. Hiya, Wally. Hiya, Wally. I want you guys to get me a 50-foot section of casing and a 50-foot section of tubing. We got it. It's right. Then I want you to put the tubing into the casing and weld it so that we can run water between the two of them. What's that going to do? It's going to give me a water-cooled boom that I can swing from a bulldozer to knock the Christmas tree off. It might take a few hours. Okay, but hurry up. All right, Whitey, get the tubing. Right. Now, you Pete, see about the casing. I'll go over to the... Listen, Smiley, when I get there, I'm going to swing the dozer in an arc so that the boom acts like a baseball bat. You keep the water going. Yeah, Wally. Now stay down behind the asbestos shield, though. I got it rigged all across the front. I know, but it won't help me much when I swing around. Well, maybe I can rustle up some more. No, this'll do. Let's go. Don't forget now, Smiley, the water. Keep it going. I got gotcha. you. Pete? Go. You stay in the hose with Smiley. Will do. Everything else clear to you guys? Yeah, sure. All right. Okay, then I'm shoving off. started forward, the long boom projecting like some monstrous weapon. The reassuring stream from Smiley's hose smashed into me as I inched closer to the flaming fountainhead of the Christmas tree. As the end of the boom passed about 20 feet to the left of it, I pulled the right tread of the dozer to a slithering stop. And the boom began its swing, and when it reached the full momentum of its travel, it slammed into the tree like a flaming pillar of doom. Fire again, shooting straight up into the air. And suddenly, I couldn't feel the water from Smiley's hose, and in that instant, I began to see her. Smiley! Smiley! Water. 
gotta get out of here. Fifty feet. Forty. Twenty. Smiley! Smiley. Water. Wally, Wally, can you hear the me? The water, what happened to the water? Bad coupling. It'll be fixed in a minute. Okay. I'll be ready for the big blast then. Oh, but you're burned. Let me do it. I'll be all right. This is the easy part. With the Christmas tree off, I can set the dynamite under the fire. I won't let you. Yes, you will. But Dottie... Dottie won't know. Collins? Yeah, Wally? How much will it take? Oh, at least seven, eight gallons of the jellied stuff. Get it ready. Wally? Yeah. I'll do it. I know how to place this stuff. Just get it ready. I'll take it in. Whatever you say. That's what I say. Get going. He stopped yet, Smiley? I can't tell from here. Hey, Pete, a little more beef on this hose. My, my hand's cramping. I got it, Smiley. I see him. I see him. He's getting off the dozer. I swing left a little, Pete. Where? I can't see. Left of the dozer. See? Over there. Yeah, I see him now. Where's he going? I think he's heading for the draw works. Splash him, Pete! He's almost out of range. Now! He's coming out. Here, let me help. Pressure! More pressure back there! Here he comes. Oh, come on, Wally. I don't think he... I better go after. No, no, no. Stay on the hose. Oh, Wally, come on. Keep the water on him. Keep it on him good. Come on, Wally. Come on. He's in the clear. All right, now, Collins. Let her go. She's gone. That's all there was to it. Like a blast from the lungs of a thousand typhoons, the dynamite snuffed out the fire as if it were a giant birthday candle. Now I'm fulfilling a part of the wish I had when all this began. I'm staying in bed for at least a week. Hospital food isn't bad, and I get plenty of visitors. The only trouble is they won't let me take a cold shower. But at least it's something to look forward to. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. John Hodiak. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite, the world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. In 28 plants from coast to coast, 
Autolite makes over 400 products for cars, trucks, tractors, planes, boats, and industry. These products include batteries such as the famous Autolite Stay Full, ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, both standard and resistor types, Autolite starting motors, generators, coils, distributors, voltage regulators, wire and battery cable, and Autolite original service parts for all Autolite electrical systems. Autolite is proud to serve the greatest names in the industry. So, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. Next week, the story of a man who had no fear and so was able to attempt his own death. A new dramatization of C.E. Montague's Action. Our star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. That's next week on Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morwick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Portions of this program were transcribed. Hellfire was written for Suspense by Ross Murray. In tonight's story, Joseph Kearns was heard as Smiley, Clayton Post as Pete, Charlotte Lawrence as Dottie, and Jerry Hausner as Collins. Featured in the cast were Junius Matthews, Herb Butterfield, and Dick Ryan. John Hodiak can soon be seen starring in the Allied Artists production, Dragonfly Squadron. And remember, next week, Mr. Herbert Marshall in action. You can buy Autolite resistor or standard type spark plugs, Autolite electrical parts, and Autolite stay full batteries at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. Your eyes are your finest possession. Take care of them, and they will watch out for you. For a free folder on eye care, send a postcard to Prevention of Blindness, Box 426, Radio City, New York. This is the CBS Radio Network. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Herbert Marshall in tonight's presentation of Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents the story of a man who, having no fear, attempted his own death. A new dramatization of C.E. Montague's Action. Our star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. Mr. Wilcox? What? You here already? Yes, sir, Mr. Wilcox. It's Johnny Plumchick time again. Well, so it is. Cold weather's coming, and that means Johnny's around to remind you motorists to get that car prepared for winter now with a tune-up, change of oil and grease, antifreeze. And don't forget to check those important spark plugs, too. Yes, sir, Johnny, because the spark plugs are the very heart of a car's ignition system. When they're right, 
You'll start quicker and surer every time, even in coldest weather. So visit your Autolite spark plug dealer. Right, Johnny. He's a tune-up expert and a specialist on spark plug cleaning and adjustment. And if replacements are needed, he'll recommend a new set of ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, like the amazing double-life resistor spark plug. To quickly learn the location of your nearest Autolite spark plug dealer, phone Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents Action, starring Mr. Herbert Marshall, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. It happened very simply one Monday morning. I woke up and there was a slight numbness all down my right side. The arm, fingers, a good deal along the leg. Rather less in my foot and just a little in the head. I lay still for a moment to let it pass off, but it didn't. And I suddenly knew that it wasn't going to. I'd heard about such things. Other chaps at the club, the office. Now it had happened to me. I remember getting up. I could still stand, walk, dress and shave. But the numbness went on. That morning, instead of walking, I took the tram to the office. It was a pleasant autumn day. And there were a lot of young people aboard, healthy young people. The conductor moved down the passageway, collecting fares. Yes, please. Here, please. Here, please, sir. Wellington Avenue, please. That's uh, threepenny, sir. Right you are. Oh, now, we don't take buttons, sir. I'm sorry, I, I thought... That's I... quite all right, sir. does rather look like silver. And let's see. Ah, here's a threepenny bit, sir. Thank you. Here, my fair feet. His tact and sympathy were perfect. And I had a new care now. Sight, too. Was that going? Sight, touch, the whole sensory business. Losing precision. Entering on the long slope to decay. I don't think I got much work done that morning. Though in a way, what I did was good for me. Kept my mind off things. I had a quarter to one appointment with an old friend, Adrian Tillett, whom I hadn't seen for a month or two. We'd arranged to meet at my club. I was a little early and sat in my usual place to wait for him. I say, Bill. Yes? Did you hear about Chitterhouse? They brought his birdie back to England yesterday. Yeah, I know, yes. You've done some mountaineering yourself, haven't you? A bit. <laughs> Blast if I know what you fellows see in it. Bloody awful way to die, if you ask me, falling off a mountain. I suppose there are worse ways. Uh, try to tell that to his wife. Well, I, I'm feeling a bit peckish. Will you join me for lunch? Thanks very much. I'm waiting for someone. All oh, right, sure. Hello, Ben. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. No, you haven't. I just got here myself. Oh, hold on. Teddy... I say, you look seedy. Feeling all right? Yes, splendid. Come along, we'll have a bite to eat. Good, I'm famished. That's better. Cigar? Uh, thanks. What about you? I, I don't think so. Uh, look here, 
Well, is anything wrong? I mean, well, you... You look like a dying duck in a thunderstorm. Something I can do? I'm afraid not. Serious? I suppose it is, in a way. If you uh, want to talk about it... I'm, I might as well. I woke up this morning, and I felt numb. The right side, I must have had some sort of a stroke during the night. Have you been to the doctor? No. I don't think I shall. You know as well as I do what he'd say. Oh, my dear old boy, you can't let a thing like that uh, just go. I don't intend to be an invalid for the rest of my life, Tillett. I've seen this happen to people, so have you. End up in a bath chair, being fed by some harridan nurse who won't even let you wipe her own nose. No thanks. What are you going to do? I don't know yet. The big thing seems to be... How long? How long does a thing like this take? Men like you, you live to be a hundred. You're an active chap. There's no reason on earth why you... Oh, that's just it. Why don't follow? I don't want to live to any age like this. I... Say, uh, why not come up to my place on Friday, spend the weekend? Change of air will do you good. No, I really don't think I... Uh, don't be an idiot. Marjorie's dying to see you. She, she always complains that you've given us up. Now, I'm going to expect you. The stream's awfully good this year. We'll do some fishing, right? Right, thanks. Thanks, Tillett. The rest of the week passed, and the sensation of numbness remained with me. Sometimes a bit more or less. At nights, I thought. I thought a great deal. On Friday, I drove down to Weybridge. It was obvious that Tillett had told his wife about me. It didn't matter much, except I found myself annoyed at her solicitude. I suppose she couldn't help it. But it was one of the things that definitely made up my mind. I knew what I was going to do. And I told my old friend. We were on the bank of the stream. He just landed a nice trout. And we sat down for a smoke. I've made up my mind what to do, Tillett. Oh? Yes. I wondered. Had an idea you were up to something. You've been rather quiet, you know. I'm sorry. Is it any better? No, no, not the same. I had a dream just before I came down here. I was climbing. It was on a crag that became steeper and steeper as I went up. First it was vertical, and then it overhung more and more until I was actually climbing a reverse slope. Must have been awkward. Oh, it's been done, you know. Has it? Yes, I've read about it, but I've never done it myself. What happened in your dream? I fell woke up. Well, I thought a lot about it. It's that margin of safety, you know. One does a lot of climbing, and if you're any good at all, you don't slip in the really difficult places. But supposing you, you pair away at the margin of safety, an experiment. What could you do before all the margin was gone? If you didn't care. I don't know. I haven't tried climbing. If one cut out the old fear of death... One could do some amazing things. Is that what you're going to do? I think so. Yes. Look for one of those crags? Yes, I've, I've never done that. I know of one I'd like to try. Zenal, the Schallihoch. It's a ridge of the Weisshorn. Sounds impressive. Oh, there are higher mountains, but not many more interesting. 
If you want to be a human fly, why not try the chalk pit down the road? Straight up and down. Not so far to fall. <laughs> I wouldn't do. No. It wouldn't, would it? I'm not going to say anything, Bell. There's nothing one can say, really. I wish you wouldn't do it. And I understand why you think you must. When will you leave? Next week. The snows will be coming at the end of the month. Not much sense in making it too dangerous, is there? No. Not much sense in that. Ten days later, I arrived at Zanal and met an old guide I'd known for many years. His name was Gaspar. And he knew the mountains of the Alps as very few men know them. He and his wife ran the hotel, and after dinner, it was my first night there, we talked over a cognac. Uh, it is good to see you again, my friend. I repeat, what a surprise, and so late in the year. I remember July was my month, wasn't it? Ah, those days. We did some fine climbing, you and I, fine. And where shall we go this time? My time is my own, and now yours. The amateurs have gone. We shall climb for sport, huh? Perhaps so. I, uh... I want to try the west side of the Charlie Hook. Good, good. Hope you won't be upset, Gaspar. First time I go up, I mean to do it alone. Alone? Yes. Did you say the west side? That's right. May I speak of something I've noticed? Of course. When I saw you today, I, I, I noticed something, a, a slight limp. You have... Been in an accident? No, just a little stiffness. You have done some climbing since we last were together? Not much. But the west side of the ridge, for a man out of condition, is that wise? I don't see why not. When do you plan to start? Tomorrow. I have never tried it myself. I'll give you a full report. Yes, I hope you will. The last man who tried it never came back. He fell, and we still have not found the body. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Herbert Marshall in Action. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. So be wise. Now is the time to winterize. Right, Johnny Plugcheck. Time for that winter tune-up. Change of oil, grease, and some antifreeze. And check those important spark plugs, too. Ah, yes. Spark plugs are the very heart of your car's ignition system. And when they're right, you'll start quicker and surer every time, even in coldest weather. If replacements are needed, your Autolite spark plug dealer will recommend a brand new set of ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs. Like the Double Life Resistor Spark Plug, the greatest spark plug advance for automotive use in the past 25 years. It gives smoother engine performance and quick starts for twice as long as spark plugs without a built-in resistor. And the resistor spark plug is only one of a complete line of Autolite spark plugs, ignition engineered for every use. So when you're getting your car winterized... Make sure... To check the spark plugs, too. See your nearest Autolite spark plug dealer this week. 
And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Herbert Marshall in Elliot Lewis's production of Action, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. That night, before I went to bed, I sat for a little while alone in the smoking room. I had nothing to do, no goodbyes, no last letter to write, no will to be made. That was done and accounted for. I felt my right arm and leg with the fingers of my left hand, still numb. That strange, unfeeling feeling. After that, I read for a bit, then turning out the lamp, went to my room. The next morning was dazzling, the soft green valley meadowland sparkling, and above, against the bluest of skies, the mountains. The autumn sun was warm, and as I decided to travel as lightly as possible, I was glad for that. Leaving the hotel, I made my way past the cow barn, the tiny post office, and on toward the path which led gently upward. I must have been walking for about five minutes when he caught up with me. Oh, I, I nearly missed you. you. You were gone before I knew you. Oh, good morning, Gaspar. Uh, a beautiful morning for your climb. I, I thought if you did not mind that I would walk with you to the bridge. Well, I don't mind in the least. My wife was worried. I'm sorry to hear that. About you. My wife is a woman who has premonitions. <laughs> you know women. Yes, she needn't have worried, you know. As I told her. You are one of the best. Still, she could not understand why you would suddenly appear and decide to climb the most difficult place on the mountain. Surely she knows mountaineers. Yes, she knows them. And she knows they do not attempt such things without a little practice of flexing of unused muscles. I'm in splendid form, Gaspar. Up there. That is where you go, huh? The bulge. Yes. And when you have conquered that, you will come back? What an odd question. Exactly what I told my wife. She had a premonition that all was not well with you. You'll have to reassure her, won't you, Gaspar? Yes, I shall, my friend. I'll say goodbye here. Yes, I... I wish... You will be all right, Herbel. Remember to conserve your energy, and when you reach the top... Come back to us. You will come back. Yes. Good luck. I left the old guide of the wooden bridge and walked on. The place I'd picked to climb was on the west side of the Charlehawk. It's a dip in the ridge that joins the Weisshorn to the Charlehorn. The lowest point of the dip is over 12,000 feet. The last part of the rise to the ridge is a wall of ice that undulates like a sheet of hammered copper, concave at one point, convex at another, and at two or three parts it overhangs. How much I did not know, but you could see it. And it was the underside of that overhang I was going to climb. 
I would try to do it honestly, get to the ridge and prove that in this small matter, where there is no fear of death, a man can do more than he knows. My timetable began quite on schedule. Three hours work up to the Apeteta Alp from Zenal. Three more up from the Alp to the foot of the ice wall. Half an hour for food, another half an hour for final preparations. Then I was at that point, the wall of ice. And above the great overhanging bulge. It stood out above me like, like a gigantic blister on the face of the ice. Must have been 40 feet in diameter. And it jutted so much that a stone dropped from its outermost point would only have touched the slope again some hundred feet lower. To reach that outermost point, I knew I would have to climb for about 20 feet as you climb up the underside of a ladder that leans against the wall. And I would have to make the ladder, rung by rung, fashion each one out of ice with my axe held in one hand while with the other hand on both feet I'd cling to the three rungs already made. Each rung would have to be like a, a letterbox in a door. Big enough for the toe of my boot to go into, but shaped so that when my hand entered, the fingers could bend down inside and grip as you grip the top of a fence. Then I was there, and the overhang was before me. The work was amazingly hard. I'd only carved five letterboxes and used them, and an hour had gone. Five more, and daylight was failing. My left hand was chilled, almost dead with the ice it had gripped, and my right hand swollen and sore from the constant use of the axe. My right knee began to shake uncontrollably, and I almost laughed, chattering teeth. I looked up, and some eight feet above was the goal. Beyond it, I could see nothing but a tranquil sky with a rose-colored flush dying out of it. And suddenly, very clearly, as a complete matter of fact, I knew I couldn't get up those eight feet. My strength was going. I was about finished. And then, because the will is there until the end, I, I tried again, tried, but the axe barely scratched the ice. My left hand was frostbitten past feeling. Only five more feet to go, but five more than I could drive myself to. This was the finish then. What I'd set out to do, and now it was the end. I'm done. I didn't know why. I was still holding on. Holding. And it was queer. Something was very queer. I felt little chips of ice stinging my cheeks as they slid down from above. Was an ice avalanche coming? <laughs> what did it matter? Let the ice do what it wanted. My business with it was done. Then, then there was a sound, annoying, a hissing sound. I saw the ice axe slide over the bulge overhead and move out over my head to drop far below. Someone was above me.
And suddenly, I don't know why, there was... There was a lightness in me. No more dream. No more dying. I had to go up. Up and quickly. No longer the tear in cutting the steps. Now they were marvels of inadequacy. I didn't think about it. Just ice cuts deep enough for a footing to raise up to cut the next. And the next. And it must have been three minutes. Perhaps less. When my chest came up to the dead center of the bulge and I... I saw what I had come for. It was a woman dangling at a long rope's end, her body revolving a little as it hung against the steep ice and holding the rope, perhaps 80 feet above her, the man, his ice axe driven well into the slope behind, holding well with one hand, the other gripping the rope. Cut the rope, Teddy, cut it. I'm done. It's killing me, cut it. You must. You, you can get down. The children think of... You must. It's killing me. Well, hold, sir. Hold on. Sorry. I'm coming. Hold on. I felt like a fool. Absolute freedom from uneasiness concerning my own plight. For I still wasn't up myself. But I never liked heroics. And this sounded horribly, disgustingly heroic. And I kept it up. And I had to. There in two minutes. Hold on. One minute more. Just one. Almost. Hold on. Hold on. Half a jiffy. I'm just there. And I'd arrived over the bulge. A foothold on an upward slope. I cut a big step close to where her feet hung. Planted my own firmly in it and took her weight on my shoulder. Slowly the man above paid out the rope till she was by my side, standing safe. You're... you're quite a happy sight. Have you got her? All right? Yes. Right as rain. Give us a moment or two. Then dig in, and we'll come up. Yes. Yes, all right. <laughs> The last daylight was gone when the three of us stood on the level roof of the ridge. I tried my best not to look at him or at her. These are things best not observed. I think she stayed in his arms for a long moment. I... Well, we... Well, you understand. Thanks. Thanks for our lives. Oh, Lord, I just happened to be there. Luck, that's all. Yes. Luck. I suppose we'd better push off. Getting a little chilly. It was luck. There was a full moon, and the downward trail was something else from the way I'd come up. We none of us spoke. I don't think a single word all the way back. And then, the village, the hotel, and she was put to bed, alive, tired. It was only after that in the smoking room that I learned their names. His name was Gollan, Theodore Gollan. The woman upstairs, his wife, Hilary. And because he seemed to feel himself under some sort of obligation to me, I told him about myself, my crime, 
Why? And when I finished, he said... Look here, I'm a doctor, and I know about such things. Tell me, when you were making that last climb over the bows, did that numbness cramp you? Did you notice it? No. It had been there, but not the last ten minutes. When you were in action. Action? Yes, I mean doing something, something you're absorbed in, lost in. Yes. I see. And that's the way it should be, you know. What you've got, the uh, numbness, that will stay with you, but uh, does it matter quite as much as you thought? No. I don't think so. You won't try that sort of thing again? No. Then it's going to be all right. Yes. It's going to be all right. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. This is Harlow Wilcox again, speaking for Autolite. It's always good to welcome back our longtime friend, Herbert Marshall. Bart, we enjoyed every minute of tonight's story. Thanks, Harlow. And may I compliment Autolite for the excellent programs to come. Next week, Van Heften in The Shot. And the following week, Jeff Chandler in an exciting story... My true love's hair. We can certainly depend on Autolite for wonderful entertainment. And friends, the greatest names in industry depend on Autolite for over 400 products for cars, trucks, tractors, planes, and boats. In 28 plants from coast to coast, Autolite makes such products as the famous Autolite Stay-Full batteries, ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, both standard and resistor types, Autolite starting motors, generators, coils, distributors, voltage regulators, wire and battery cable, and Autolite original service parts for all Autolite electrical systems. So, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. Next week... The story of a duel, an incomplete duel, since one of its participants chose to wait and owe his adversary the shot. Our star, Mr. Van Heflin. That's next week on Suspense. C.E. Montague's action was adapted for suspense by Anthony Ellis. Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Featured in the cast were Ellen Morgan, Harley Bear, Herb Butterfield, Richard Peel, and Ben Wright. Herbert Marshall will soon be seen in Riders to the Stars, Ivan Tor's Technicolor production for United Artists. And remember, next week, Mr. Van Heflin in The Shot. Buy Autolite resistor or standard type spark plugs, Autolite electrical parts, and Autolite stay full batteries at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. This week and every week is a good time to hire the handicapped.
Surveys have proved that properly placed handicapped workers are steady and reliable. Consult your state employment service and hire the handicapped. This is the CBS Radio Network. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We try to alternate weeks with two episodes of Escape one week, followed by two episodes of Suspense the following week. New episodes of 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense are available every Sunday at noon Eastern Time. We always appreciate reviews. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.